Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the King Street Podcast. Hey friends, my name is Matt Speaks, and this podcast exists to help you glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's a gift from our church to you. In this week's episode, we're going to be looking at how to be a witness to the gospel of Christ in the midst of crisis. I'm not sure how you've followed the COVID-19 pandemic, but I remember as clear as day back in January having lunch at Jay Butler's, a restaurant that we have here in town. And this was around the time where tensions seemed to be high between the United States and Iran. I don't know if you remember that. It feels like a year ago now. Well, that was just January. And I was scrolling through Twitter reading about that issue, and I began to see the first posts dealing with this novel virus that had broken out in China. And at that point in time, no one really seemed to be too alarmed about the virus. But as time progressed, of course, more and more information was released And things began to accelerate rather quickly. One night I was watching NBA highlights and all of a sudden I heard about one NBA player who tested positive for COVID-19. And immediately after that, the entire season was postponed. It was put on hold. In fact, there was a game I I was watching, a game getting ready to tip off with an arena full of people who had already bought their tickets, already gotten their food from the concession stand, sitting in their seats, ready for this thing to tip off, and the game was canceled on live television. And to be honest, it sort of felt like the NBA's decision that night sparked a chain reaction of closings and cancellations across the entire country. And before you could even blink an eye, governors and mayors all over began issuing unprecedented types of restrictions in hopes to stop the spread of this virus. Well, I texted another pastor in town. I texted him the next day after this postponement of the NBA season, and I just asked how he was doing, and this was his response. He said, just trying to figure out how to pastor in 2020. <laughs> well, I resonated deeply with that brother's struggle because overnight it seemed like everything had changed, at least from the way that we were used to living life in America. And over the next several days, the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina began offering all sorts of training and support, which I was very thankful for, on how to switch church services and sermons over to live stream, how to use Zoom and Google Hangouts and so on, because the initial objective, at least in our convention, was to assist churches in making sure that their members were cared for and that they were going to be shepherded during this pandemic. But within a few days, I remember reading a post from a friend of mine in the convention, and this is what he said. Pastors, now that you have some idea of how you'll continue to preach via live stream, we need to start thinking about how to minister to those around us. And what my friend was emphasizing was that now that we have a plan to care for our church members, let's quickly pursue how we can be an evangelistic witness to the gospel in our hurting and broken communities. I realize that many of us have a similar heart cry as my friend that I texted that day. We're just trying to figure out how to share the gospel in 2020. And behind that statement hides all kinds of situational issues. We're trying to figure out how to share the gospel during a pandemic. We're trying to adapt so that we can share the gospel with those who aren't allowed to come to our homes or stand within six feet of us. 
We want to be a witness to the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the midst of trying times. And let me just say that I feel that same tension that many of you may be feeling. This question in your heart of how you can be hospitable and loving when you're not even allowed to offer a handshake, when you're not allowed to have a neighbor over for dinner. So I know that this is an issue on many of our hearts because it's also an issue on mine. And one of the things that I hope that you'll get out of this episode is a biblical understanding of how suffering, like the crisis we're in today, can be used by God to display a powerful witness to the gospel. And I hope that as you see this, you'll begin to recognize that while our circumstances have changed, the biblical principles have not. In fact, going through this crisis may even open up our eyes to categories that the Bible talks about regularly that we just haven't even spent a whole lot of time thinking about. And hopefully, we'll be encouraged to do evangelism now in ways that we should have been doing it all along. So just allow me to make three points in our time together. Here's here's point number one. During this crisis, my my prayer is that we would see a brand new appreciation for evangelism in the home. There's our first point, evangelism in the home, in our families, under our roof. I'm thinking primarily about Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And in this passage, God has given His Word and His commandments to the people of Israel, And after all these things about God and His ways, this is what Deuteronomy 6, 4-9 says, especially for parents to do. So here it is, Deuteronomy 6, 4-9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This passage just said to share these things from God's word diligently with our children, to teach them diligently. Now, I'm not here to paint with a broad stroke against youth and children's ministry in general, okay? But I do want parents, myself included, to be challenged by whether or not we've taken the personal responsibility upon ourselves to diligently teach our children God's Word. Or are we potentially relying too heavily on youth and children's pastors? Because the command to teach these things in this text is for parents, and the command to do so diligently envisions something greater than just passive and irregular commitment. You sort of get the idea in this text that these parents would read the Bible, that they would hear the Bible preached and taught to them by people like Moses, and then they would go and they would share it, proclaim it with their children. It says you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Friends, that's a picture of you should do this all the time. This should be a regular practice in your home. 
You know, each month uh, our church takes some time to talk about who we've been able to build relationships with and who we've been able to share the gospel with so we can take time to pray for one another and pray for those in our communities. And it didn't come as any surprise to me that in the month of March, we just weren't able to talk to as many people as normal. And that's because we've been at home. We haven't been out and about going through our normal routines. And with a month like that, it can be easy to grow discouraged, and it can be easy to feel like we've failed in our evangelism. Now, I don't want to speak for everyone, because it is possible that some of us have failed to be faithful in evangelism, even during this stay-at-home order. But, but let me just say this. Just because you haven't been able to come in contact with as many people due to our circumstances, that doesn't necessarily mean you've been unfaithful. I had one church member reach out to me and ask if sharing the gospel with her kids counts because she's been able to have more and more focused time in teaching her children about Jesus and the gospel. Now, based on the text that we just read in Deuteronomy, you tell me, do you think it counts in God's eyes when we labor day in and day out to share the gospel with our children? I mean, he tells us to teach them diligently his word, his gospel, his promises. So I would say, yes, that counts. That's a major focus of evangelism, especially during this season. It's a major focus all the time, but especially when you're forced to stay at home with one another. Friends, just don't underestimate the eternal significance of what's happening under your roof. We have an increased opportunity not only to share the gospel, but to display it to our children. So some of you listening to this may have an unbelieving spouse. You may have an unbelieving child, an unbelieving sibling. Well, being at home more often is an opportunity, friends, to share the gospel and to live it out in front of those people. And this could include some of your extended family. I think about over the past couple of months, it's been some of my cousin's birthdays. Last month, it was my grandparents' birthday. And we usually get together, uh, the whole family, to celebrate these birthdays at a steakhouse or a restaurant of some sort. Sometimes we go to Applebee's or a Longhorn or something. But this year, we weren't able to because those restaurants are not open. And so what we did is we, we hosted a family-wide Zoom call. And everybody, you know, kind of got together and talked about what was going on in one another's lives and just encouraged each other. It was a great time. And I just want to be frank with you. I've had longer phone conversations with extended family talking about this scenario than I have ever had in my entire life. There are people around you right now in your family in which you have built in respect and trust just by the mere fact that you're related. So whether it's under your roof whether it's on the phone with a grandparent or a parent or your in-laws, there are increased opportunities during this pandemic to talk about the things of God with the people you love most. Some of them might be afraid. Some of them might be anxious. So friends, this is an opportunity to be a voice of hope in their lives, a hope that's found only in Jesus Christ. Obviously, this is something we should have been doing all along, but this crisis sort of puts it at the forefront of our priorities. So that's point number one, dealing with evangelism under your roof. Now, point number two is this. We ought to view our suffering and affliction in this season 
as an opportunity for the gospel. We ought to view it as an opportunity in every season. Because I want us to fight against the tendency to view our current scenario that we're in as a hindrance to the gospel. Because I I know it's possible that because of the stay-at-home orders, we're less able to meet new people. But we also need to consider that our current circumstances present new and other opportunities for the advancement of the gospel. Opportunities that we've potentially neglected for quite some time. You see, sometimes one of the hardest things to do is to view our suffering and our affliction as producing something. And we have an example in the Bible of this very thing. The Apostle Paul. Okay, just think about him for a moment. The Apostle Paul viewed his suffering as an opportunity for the advancement of the gospel. Now, his suffering was a little different, but it was staying in one place. He had to stay in one place, not because of a public health crisis, but because of imprisonment for his faith. But nevertheless, he was bound in place. He couldn't go and visit whoever he wanted. He wasn't allowed to go and share the gospel on the streets and in the temple. He was confined to a jail cell. So if Paul could find hope in the advancement of the gospel while being chained in place, surely we can find hope in our situation today. So here's the text, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. This is what Paul says. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. What circumstances? What circumstances turned out for the greater progress of the gospel? Well, he continues. So that my imprisonment, there it is, in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Now, Paul mentions his circumstances here, which is namely his imprisonment. But he says in verse 12 that his circumstances turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So just be encouraged for a moment here. It could have been so easy for Paul, writing from a jail cell, which he was when writing this letter to the Philippians, it could have been so easy for him to cower in fear and to become overwhelmed with despair. He could have looked at his situation and just crumbled in hopelessness and sorrow. But instead, Paul thought bigger than that. He thought in terms of not just what was happening to him, but how God was at work in the world. So instead of envisioning his suffering by only focusing on himself, Paul saw that God had designed it for the advancement of the gospel. And the question is, how? How so? How did Paul's imprisonment, how did his suffering for the cause of Christ turn out for the greater advancement of the gospel. And he gives us two reasons. Here's number one, verse 13, so that my imprisonment and the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and everyone else. So the guards, these Roman guards became aware of Paul's imprisonment. And they all became aware of the gospel through his imprisonment. (laughs) Now, I imagine that the news of this babbler named Paul talking about a resurrected Lord could have spread amongst the guards. But I also think about the fact that the guards would have been chained up to Paul 
keeping an eye on him, making sure that he can't escape and that he must stay in place. And I've heard this saying before, maybe you've heard it, but I love it. Paul wasn't chained to the guards. The guards were chained to Paul. I mean, can you just imagine some guard forced to be chained up to Paul? (laughs) What do you think Paul would have talked about the entire time? Jesus. He would have talked to them about the gospel. So just consider for a moment your situation in this stay-at-home order. You're not at home because of your faith, because you're being religiously persecuted, but you have family members and neighbors who are also forced to be home next to you unless they're outperforming an essential activity. So, so I just want to ask you a question. Have you considered, as Paul did, how your current quarantine, how your circumstances might turn out for the advancement of the gospel? Paul wasn't chained to the guards. The guards were chained to Paul in the same way. Are you quarantined with your family and neighbors, or are they quarantined with you? What opportunities might there be for the gospel on your street? Because maybe for the first time ever, you're realizing the importance of reaching those people who live right next to you with the gospel because they're at home just like you're at home. I can just imagine that some of those guards came to know the Lord Jesus Christ through Paul's imprisonment. And might there be a neighbor who comes to know the Lord because of your quarantine? So friends, just, just consider that for a moment. But the second reason why Paul says his circumstances turned out for the greater advancement of the gospel is found in verse 14. He says, Most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment. So there's the imprisonment again. They're trusting in the Lord because of Paul's imprisonment. They have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So the believers became emboldened to proclaim the gospel by seeing Paul's faithfulness in the midst of suffering. So think about that, how how your faithfulness to display and proclaim the gospel during this crisis could encourage other believers to do the same. You don't have to do this all on your own, but if you're being faithful to share the gospel and to have opportunities taken advantage of to share the gospel in the midst of this situation, other Christians may also do the same because they're encouraged by you. Our suffering is not just about us, friends. There's all of these things that God is doing in the world, even in the midst of what's happening in our lives. Now, I'll just say a a practical point on this for you to try. I've been trying it. It's been helpful. Go outside. (laughs) Take a walk through your neighborhood. I mean, it's the spring. People are out. Say hi. Ask if they need anything. Go and be present to neighbors that maybe you've never talked to before. There couldn't be a better time to just reach out a helping hand in the midst of crisis. So that's point number two. Don't only think about the things that you aren't allowed to do during this crisis. Consider the opportunities that this crisis presents. New ways for your circumstances to turn out for the advancement of the gospel. That's point two. Here's my third point and our last one for today. And it's this, your suffering is for the comfort and salvation of others. 
Now, I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably aware that God works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. We see that in Romans chapter 8. So even though it's hard to swallow that fact at times, even though we can't wrap our brains around it, many of you have heard that God will use your suffering for your good, and many of you believe that. You really believe it. But what about the fact that God will use your suffering for the good of others, not just yourself? Well, that's a trickier concept. It requires humility to know that I can go through this situation and it would turn out for the good of other people, not just myself. But that's exactly what Paul says about his suffering in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Do you see that? If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Now, what in the world does that mean? How can Paul's suffering and affliction lead to the greater comfort and edification of the Corinthians? Well, once again, Paul did not view his hardship the way that we are often tempted to view our hardship. When we suffer, at least if you're a normal human being like me, we have the tendency to only focus on ourselves. We tend to only think about what's happening to us. But when Paul suffered... He recognized that he was afflicted for the sake of other people's comfort, for other people's salvation. So he viewed his suffering as God working it not only for his good, but for the good of others. Now, what might that mean tangibly in Paul's life? Well, he tells us in verse 7, Paul saw his comfort. Paul saw his faithfulness in the midst of suffering as a means to the Corinthians being comforted in the midst of their suffering. So so as the Corinthians would suffer, they would be encouraged by watching Paul's faith in Christ. And then God would use that to make the Corinthians have faith in Christ in the midst of their own hardships. And so this is what Paul says in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, Our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. And that comfort, my friends, comes from God. I think Paul gives us an example of what that looked like in his life. In the same chapter, a few verses later, So we're still in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. And Paul describes a type of suffering that was so harsh, so antagonizing, that he was in despair of life itself. And I want to share this with you because no matter how hard or not hard you've been hit by this current crisis, when we're on the other side of this pandemic, it will not be the last crisis you and I face. This may be one of the most antagonizing things we ever face, and there may be something that happens later in our life that is just as antagonizing, if not supremely more. And it's good to know God's principles here and His Word laid out for us that can give us hope when we face those problems. 
hope when we face that suffering. So here it is in 2 Corinthians 1, 8-9. Here's Paul talking about how bad it was for him. But then he tells us what happens. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. Why? So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. (laughs) The suffering that Paul faced stripped him of every other hope in this worldly life, and it all happened so that he would not trust in himself, but in the God who raises the dead. You see, Paul's suffering was for the purpose of him having increased hope and trust in God, not in himself. You see, Paul went around the world preaching to men and women that they must not trust in themselves, but in God if they want to be saved. And as he suffered in front of the people he preached to, he gave them an active, tangible picture of what that hope and trust in God looked like. And God used that picture of Paul's trust in the midst of suffering to work about the same in the hearts of countless others. So Paul could say, if I'm afflicted, it is for your sake. It's for your comfort. It's for your salvation. So just think about you, my friend. You have a wonderful opportunity during this crisis. And like I said before, I'm not sure how hard this COVID-19 situation has hit you. I'm not sure if you've had the virus yourself or if someone close to you has had it. I'm not sure if you have major health risks that concern you deeply about getting the virus. I know that many of us have been financially shaken in in some way, Some, some of us more minor, some of us extremely major. And friends, I don't want to diminish any of it. It is all real. It's all something that draws us to our knees asking for deliverance and help and hope. But I want you to know that in the midst of it, my friend, none of it is worthless. None of it is purposeless. In God teaching you to trust in Him and not in yourself or your health or your money or your plans, He's using your affliction for the comfort and salvation of other people. So let it be known and live out that hope of Christ in the midst of a hopeless world. That's a point about evangelism that Many of us don't think about a whole lot, but it's something that we can't forget. Let me just leave you with Paul's words in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, the world right now doesn't think that there is a peace that surpasses all comprehension. They don't think that's even possible, but you can have it in Christ. So, as Paul said, let your gentle spirit be known to all men and tell others how they can have it too. Well, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the King Street Podcast. If you enjoyed it, let us know. 
Feel free to send us an email at info at kingstreechurch.com or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Kingstreet Church. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned over the next few weeks as we begin discussing the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. Until next time.